Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hello, everybody, and welcome into a new edition of the Patriots Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Media Podcast Network and on Patriots Press Pass. I'm Evan Lazar, joined as always by Alex Barth. And Alex, not exactly the most exciting game to get up for on a Sunday afternoon following New Year's Eve and uh, New Year's Day, but the Patriots will take on the Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday. There obviously is a lot on the line for New England in terms of playoff implications coming off two straight losses. But I think the biggest question going into this game for the Pats is that you look back and a lot of the questions that have been asked to the players this week as well about that week seven win over the New York Jets. The Jets come to town. The Patriots beat them uh, 54 to 14, I think it was, or 54-13. And clearly rode that wave of confidence to six more wins in a row, right? A seven game win streak overall. And that game to go out there and beat the doors off the jets, set the tone for that winning streak. So can the Patriots, as we're uh, talking about here today, jumpstart the engine against the Jacksonville Jaguars and use them as a stepping stone, as a spark plug to go on another run like they did earlier in the season when they played the jets. Yeah, I think so. Guys talked about this at the time that they felt like they were doing all the right things and that Jets game was just a a form of validation to see just all the work they were putting in, that it was for something, that they were on the right path, all of that. Now, I wouldn't necessarily say they've been doing the right things the last two weeks on the field like they did against the Colts and the Bills, but maybe behind the scenes, something like that. I I do think that it, it can be a momentum boost. They have to win big. It can't be comfortable. Like I think they need to win by at least three, four touchdowns to make that happen. But I do think a, a get-right game in that sense, yeah, could be some sort of validation, vindication for this team as they move forward. Yeah, this team specifically has that Week 7 game. I think, obviously, when you lose some games late in the year, the 2018 season is consistently the one that comes up, right? The Patriots lose back-to-back games to Pittsburgh and Miami, then they win two straight against the Bills and the Jets, and they go on a run and win the Super Bowl. Now, no one's saying that that team had Tom Brady and two other Patriot legends on it, right? Rob Gronkowski and Julian Edelman were on that team, uh, a defense that had maybe some more proven cornerback talent, at least, right? It was Stephon Gilmore, I would say, being on that team. Nevertheless, I, I wouldn't go full 2018, but I do agree that there is a path here that if the Patriots, the score of that Jets game, I just looked it up again, 54-13. If the Patriots hang a 50 It's still their most lopsided win of the year. Yeah, if the Patriots hand a 50-burger to the Jags, then that certainly is going to go a long way. And I think specifically, as we start to get into this quarterback matchup, probably the only juicy angle of this game at all is Mac Jones versus Trevor Lawrence and having two rookie first-round quarterbacks go head-to-head. Mac Jones in particular you definitely feel like could use it's almost like a basketball player when, when you start to see shots fall, right? The Celtics today, for example, after the other night, they go what four for 42 from three against the Clippers. And then today they started to see some shots fall for Mac Jones. It's basically the same thing. You start to see some of these throws that you weren't making in the last two weeks, start to go in, start to hit some touchdown passes, potentially start to get a groove back with Hunter Henry and Kendrick Bourne back in the lineup in a full capacity that is probably where the Patriots would like to start the most their defense obviously needs to get right game too but seeing Mac roll a little bit in this game and and seeing Mac uh, cook a little bit more in this game than what we've seen in terms of inconsistency over the last couple weeks 
that that would be probably the most important thing I would think. Because with a rookie quarterback, as much as Bill Belichick said that Mac is consistent and he gave credit for Mac being a consistent player all year long, there is still ebbs and flows. And, and I think it's easy once things start to snowball on you and once things start to go wrong to have that start to snowball and, uh, you know, as a rookie, it's, it's, it's easy to lose confidence, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And maybe Mac can go out there against the Jaguars defense and put up 300 yards or put up multiple touchdowns and get himself feeling good again. Yeah, absolutely. Again, you hit on it perfectly. There's really not much I can add to that. Cause I feel the same way. I think Mac Jones just kind of needs to see, one go through and he'll be, and I think the offense as yeah. a whole too, I think that's part of it, right? Hunter Henry talked about how he had a rough game last week. Um, I, I think we all recognize that Nikhil Harry had a bad game last week, right? Kendrick Bourne didn't play. So I think these are maybe guys that just are cold. They're cold yeah. and they need that little bit of a boost and what a better way to get it than against not even the Jaguars, like half the Jaguars with all the guys they have on COVID. Yeah. Okay. Uh, last thing here. And then I want to want to play our game of fact to fiction. Um, Anybody on the Jaguars not named Trevor Lawrence, because we're going to talk about Lawrence here in a second. Anybody else on the Jaguars were you in this game? Is there any player on their roster that you look at and say, if this is a game, if this is competitive, it's because player A had a huge game. Is there anyone in Jacksonville that thinks you think can is capable of delivering that type of performance? Yeah, so I'll give you one that does and one that did. Uh, one that does is Josh Allen. And maybe yeah. I'm just shell-shocked, and I don't want to see Josh Another Allen ruin the Patriots two weeks yeah. in a row. Um, he's And he's been on COVID all week, so we'll see how much he plays. I, I just think he's a really good player, right? He was a major reason they beat the Bills a couple yep. months ago. And the Patriots offensive line, specifically Isaiah Wynn, hasn't been its best the last couple weeks. So all of a sudden, he gets in there. He creates a couple turnovers. He created three against Buffalo, right? So right. he can flip a game. I'm not saying he's going to by any means, but – if there's, I, you know, I kind of go into it part of the way I prep for games or one of the things I do to prep for games is I look at who is that game ruiner on right. each side of the ball. If Jacksonville has one, I would think it's Josh Allen. So, so there's that. The other one, and you're going to roll your eyes at me at this, and he's not playing yet. He got put on IR on Monday. But that would be, where is, where is he here? You I don't punter, even know his name. Punter Logan Cook. Because, of course, the Jaguars have one of the best punters in the league. And we've seen the Patriots struggle on special teams at times. So, again, maybe he had a chance to flip the field. Um, but he, again, goes on IR with a knee injury on Monday. Now they have Joseph Charlton instead, who has the lowest net average of any punter in the league with at least 20 punts. He started the season with the Panthers, got cut. Now he's with the Jaguars. Uh, so there's going to be opportunities for Gunnarowski in this game. But anyway to get back to the point cook's probably a top five player for the jaguars their punter so i know I that's not laugh because jake bailey was probably a top five player on the team last year for the patriots so. well just kind of here's my point yeah how much worse would have been for the patriots last year without jake bailey right so i'm saying like the jack the jaguars as rough as they've been they don't have one of their top weapons and again he was pretty good this year um cook was in terms of flipping the field and all of that now the defense sucked and teams were going for long drives against them. But now instead of having to go 80 yards, it might only have to go 55, 60. So that could be, maybe they get an extra touchdown or two out of that. Again, I think this game is about running up the score. I think yeah. this game is about getting as many good reps in as you can. So yeah. you just kind of get right mentally and you move on to Miami, which is going to be like a, a postseason game. And then obviously the actual postseason. Yeah. I think Josh Allen's the name that I was going to bring up as well. A guy that, has on his resume a few of those games where he has gone in and wrecked a game you talked about the buffalo game against the colts this year uh, he had a nine pressure game right five quarterback hits and four hurries it really took that game over he is a guy that likes to line up over the left tackle right he's going to be on that side of the line more times than not so this looks like a game to me for isaiah win where you need to be you cannot be the reason why this game is competitive if you're Isaiah Wynn, right? This is a tough matchup right. for him. You look at guys that have given Isaiah Wynn uh, some problems this season. A lot of people have, but the guys that have in particular are these explosive, long, athletic, first-round talent type of guys, right? Like Joe Tyrone or Randy Gregory. And now you come in here with a guy like Allen who's 
six foot five, good explosiveness off the ball, good length on the edge, uh, can get on you in a hurry, and they can get into your chest and create separation with his length. Those are the types of things that Wynn has had issues with as a smaller tackle is speed to power, right? Because of, of his lack of size and his lack of anchor and then length that allows other guys to kind of create that separation and space out in between. When you have a guy with shorter arms like Isaiah Wynn, and you have another guy that's six foot six, he's got really lanky arms. It's hard for Wynn to get his hands on him, right? And, and that those are the types of things that he's struggled with so far this year. So I look at Josh Allen and I see a player that could give Isaiah Wynn some problems. They might need to, if Allen gets rolling and, and pass rushing is very much a repetitive rhythmic thing. So if Josh Allen gets rolling, you might see some Brandon Bolden chips. You might see uh, some delayed releases by the tight ends, making sure they stay in and, and give a shiver to Josh Allen before they release into the pattern, things like that, because he's somebody that could give Wynn some problems. The other name, and I know he hasn't had a good year, but neither did Isaiah McKenzie. Tavon Austin is like low-key sneaky in this game, I feel like, because he's got a very similar skill set to Isaiah McKenzie, right? A, a return specialist right. with good speed. You look at that game plan, and if Daryl Bevel and the Jaguars are are trying to ruin New England's postseason uh, hopes a little bit here this week, they're going to look at that game plan by the Buffalo Bills, and they're going to say, well, we have a 4-3 return specialist in T Tavon Austin who we can just run across the field too, right? He doesn't need to right. run a, a great route. He just needs to run a crosser. And in a lot of ways, I think that this is a really good test for Miles Bryant, for the Patriots secondary, for the Patriots linebackers, who I thought were extremely passive. And I'll throw Kyle Duggar in, in that conversation as well. Extremely passive, not physical, uh, weren't willing to jam or redirect receivers and just let McKenzie run free in the open, in the middle of the field with no resistance whatsoever. If they let Tavon Austin do that, then I think he's got some speed and some juice that he can maybe get across the field in a similar way. Now, I know he hasn't played a lot either uh, with COVID. LaVisca Chenault's back. He started in LaVisca Chenault's place last week. So I, I don't know how much of Tavon Austin they're really going to use. But he looks to me like a player that has got a similar build and speed and skill set in general as somebody like Isaiah McKenzie. And they... I feel like the Patriots took Isaiah McKenzie lightly last week, right? I think they looked at it and they said, no Gabriel Davis, no Cole Beasley. We got this, right? Just don't let, let Stephon Diggs go for 200 yards and we'll be fine. And they forgot about Isaiah McKenzie. I think one of the things that really stood out too about McKenzie's day, you looked at that route chart that Next Gen put up and it, all he's doing is running crossers. He, all, he ran, right. he must have run 20 crossers and, it's and the that, same crosser it's the same yeah. it's not like he's it's running different variations crosser from right to left crosser from left to right crosser from right to like it's and the whole thing is just you know going straight across the field every single time and eventually you're going to start to hit on some of those when there is no resistance in the middle of the field there's no help in the middle of the field and you're asking miles bryant to just track him coming across the field so if there's anybody that I think could replicate that on the Jaguars offense, it's it's Tavon Austin. I, I don't know if you feel like Tavon Austin's got the juice though. I mean, he might. I, how old is he now? I, He's I, we that. all we all know what he can do. He is the most. Yeah. Most people say he is the most legendary college football mixtape of all time. Yeah, I have him second behind um, uh, uh, Tyron Matthew. Obviously, yeah. is the legend of the college football highlights. But yeah, I I mean, it's the same idea. He's not a guy you think traditionally burns you. But neither is McKenzie, and they just kind of got really creative with how they used him, and the Patriots didn't respond to it in time. The yeah. other thing is, I, I will say, I, I push back on Austin just because it's not just that Isaiah McKenzie played well last week. The Patriots never adjusted. They never did anything about it. Yeah. If they don't adjust to that similar style two weeks in a row, there's much bigger problems. than. Just well, I think, it's, a great, I think it's almost a good thing, right? Because in a lot of ways, to me, Tavon Austin and Trevor Lawrence are – sort of poor man's Josh Allen and Isaiah McKenzie, right? They're, they're kind of right. be with Josh Allen and Isaiah McKenzie. I think Lawrence, maybe in four or five years, might look in the NFL a little bit like what Josh Allen looks like if they can obviously surround him, and that's that's a big if. But in terms of his skill set, his arm strength, his mobility, certainly. So this is a good game to come right after the Bills game because this is almost a 
a preseason, a warm-up, a tune-up, right, in in an offense that I do think can beat you with crossing routes. I, I do think has an athletic quarterback that can get outside the pocket and make throws on the move. So can they execute a game plan of keeping Trevor Lawrence in the pocket, taking away the, the single high crossing beaters, and learn from their mistakes last week? I think the Jaguars will try to replicate some of that stuff. They just might not do it at – as high of a level. So it might give the Patriots an opportunity to learn from some of those things and do some things differently and see what works and see what doesn't against an opponent that quite frankly, they should blow off the field anyways. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, again, it's a tune up game. It's a get right game. So I think maybe experimenting, seeing what you can get going. It's not a bad opportunity to do that. I want to take a second to shout out our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline has you covered all season, more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, let's play Factor Fiction. I want to start with the quarterback matchup here. By the way, real quick, Alabama's in the red zone on their first drive. Of course they are. Uh, I'm sorry. Hey, it's dra- it's Trav- draft prep, Evan. It's draft prep. There's a lot of guys in this game we're going to be talking about. Sure, Bill even was- said today, uh, he got asked if he was going to watch this game. He'll, he said he'll see plenty the, of it in the offseason. Off so. Yeah, I, I heard that too. Trags, I'm sorry, our, our good friend Trags, a big Cincinnati Bearcats fan. His official prediction, Alex, he just texted me, Bearcats 28, Alabama 24. So so Trags the homer has Cincinnati winning this game against Alabama, but Alabama already in the red zone. It, it doesn't look good for Cincinnati. All right, let's talk about this quarterback matchup. Fact or fiction, Alex, there is an argument to be made for Mac Jones going ahead of Trevor Lawrence in a redraft fact or fiction fiction because, and that it's nothing against Mac. It's just Trevor Lawrence is, was such an elite raw prospect. And how many times have I given the nature versus nurture speech, right? Right. Trevor Lawrence isn't struggling because of what, because of Trevor Lawrence, he's struggling because of the mess he got put in switch him, switch him, put Trevor Lawrence in new England and in Mac Jones and Jacksonville. Patriots are probably winning the division right now. Patriots might be a 12-win team with Trevor yeah. Lawrence. Uh, and Mac Jones is probably, you know, if he's not, it's not great. It's not great because he just wouldn't have the help around him. So um I Lawrence, you know, it's revisionist history at this point. And Lawrence was clearly the pick at the time. He's not struggling because of his own shortcomings. Um I think you can, if you want to give me any other quarterback, I would say that that's a fact. But Trevor Lawrence is still a generational talent who got absolutely boned by having to play for Urban Meyer. I'm actually really surprised at how well Trevor, Tra- Trevor Lawrence, there we go, has handled this situation. <laughs> yeah. Right? It, getting prob- drafted- realistically, it probably could be a lot worse. Oh, by the way, Slade Bolden touchdown. Future Patriots, Slade Bolden. Not only did he handle getting drafted by the Jaguars well going into the draft and then on draft day and post-draft, he's also handled himself extremely well all year long in what has been easily one of the biggest NFL dumpster fires that we've seen in the last decade with Urban Meyer. He has been the adult a lot of the time in Jacksonville at the podium during press conferences, after games. He's been the one saying all the right things and echoing all the right statements. I thought he played really well last week against the Jets, made some really impressive throws. He's somebody that, and Bill Belichick said that this this morning as well, they were able to mix a lot of different types of concepts, right? Quick game, bootleg, moving pockets, downfield deep throws, flood concepts against zone. They were able to mix and match a lot of different styles of offense or styles of passing games with trevor lawrence and that's a testament to his talent and his ability i look it's the jets i get that they have to do better in the red zone that's what really tripped them up in that game obviously getting stuff late in that game on the goal line to lose the game but 
a lot of uh, really positive throws. He, he's played exactly how I would expect Trevor Lawrence to play in this situation, right? He's had some really great big-time throws down the field where you can see the flashes of the talent, but the consistency isn't there because of what's going on around him. So I, I don't think you can take Mac there at all. But let's stick with Mac here for a second. Fact or fiction, Alex, Mac Jones can win the Patriots a playoff game if they need him to win the game himself. Not himself, but the passing game right. to carry them. Fact. I, I would say fact because I've seen him lead them back against Dallas and ultimately the defense came up short. I saw him lead them back against Indy and ultimately the defense came up short. Um, he started kind of putting some things together against Buffalo. Yeah, he can do. I mean, look, is do I feel as confident as if it's Tom Brady back there? No, but right. I think he, ha I think he has it in him. Absolutely. I think I've seen enough to believe that. I think there's two different conversations with Mac. I think one is a off season conversation about, how he improves and how he gets better and how he grows as a quarterback, certainly from a mechanical standpoint and being able to maximize his velocity on his throws, right? Because I think at sometimes, especially when things get away from him a little bit, he does lose his, I call it, you know, his mechanical chain, right? From, from top to bottom, from the ground up, you want to be able to generate velocity from really your hips and your shoulders are the two most important areas. And you have that torque, right? You, you try to spin your, your hips and shoulders on that same axis and be able to whip it. I think Mac Jones is going to have to work with the quarterback coach in the off season. Maybe Tom house type guy, uh, Quincy Avery, call, call up one of those two guys and have him work on that kinetic motion of his. But at the same time, he has shown enough to me so far this year that I believe that he probably could win a playoff game if the Patriots absolutely needed him to win a playoff game. Now the bills gave a blueprint of taking away the middle of the field and forcing Mac to beat them outside the numbers. And I would say past 10 yards outside the numbers, right? The, those cover two shells really forcing him to go outside the numbers with the football. Maybe the Patriots weapons are what's holding them back from that more than Mac Jones himself. The fact that they don't have somebody out there, right to, to really threaten the defense but that would be my concern long term with mac is just he needs to get to a place where his arm does improve uh, so that he can hit some of these throws that defenses are trying to take away but i think that he can make the throws that the patriots are scheming up for him and win a game if he absolutely needs to make it so i say fact as well i, I don't feel as good about it though i'm gonna be honest with you i don't feel as good about it as i did a couple weeks ago uh, but I, I still think that that's going to be ultimately a, a fact here. If the Patriots need to put the game in Mac Jones's hands, I, I do think that he will deliver. Okay, fact or fiction, the Patriots receivers' inability to defeat man coverage will be their demise. We saw this basically was their demise against Buffalo last week, right? They couldn't get off Buffalo's man coverage. I think that one of the things that shocked me the most about where the ball went against man coverage was the fact that Hunter Henry had so few targets in those man-to-man -man situations. Almost all the targets went to Jacoby Myers in man-to-man. -man. So I was surprised that they didn't spread the ball around a little bit more to Henry, but can the Patriots receivers get open against man coverage frequently enough that if a team like Buffalo did comes out on third down and plays a ton of man-to-man -man and the Patriots have to convert that they'll be able to give Mac the option to convert. Man, it's tough because this is where they really miss James White, I think, yeah. more than any other instance. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I I think Kendrick Bourne can. I think Kendrick Bourne can. That's He's the only guy I feel confident in. That in itself, though, might be an issue because if he's the only guy, well, then teams can just double him and, and go one-on-one -on -one across the board and you're all set. So I I don't feel great about where the pass catchers are at right now if they have to play from behind. If they can get ahead and they can scheme some things, I think they're in a pretty good spot because they've been creative with that. Some of the ways they've gotten Bourne open, Myers open, Hunter Henry open. When they just have to drop back and just go chalk and get open, it's it's been it's been tough. It's been tough. So that is, I mean, that's something they need to address in the offseason. Yeah, that is something I'm worried about. Yeah, I think that this could be their Achilles heel this year as well. It just feels like, they have too many receivers that run overlapping routes, right? So you can really only scheme up a downfield passing game for one or two of them at a time. You can run like a levels concept. You can run a flood concept against zone with two or three of them. But when it comes down to it, 
do they have the guy that Mac can consistently go to with with the football in a man-to-man situation? I think that guy is more times than not is Hunter Henry. I, I think that the team and the coaching staff schemes up a lot of those options for Jacoby Myers, but I, I really feel like Henry's the guy that needs to step up and be able to do this, right? If that's right. if that's the player to me that I would be funneling third and seven, gotta have it, fourth quarter playoff game. I'm going to Hunter Henry if I'm Mac Jones. That's where I'm trying to get the football to. And I thought that was a big reason why they struggled so much uh, against Buffalo. And man, is that they didn't try to get the ball to Hunter Henry in those types of situations. They were really trying to get it to the receivers, Bourne and Myers. And I think in a lot of ways, they looked at the injuries that Buffalo had at corner, Notre Davis White, right? Trying to go after Dane Jackson and Levi Wallace and uh, Teron Johnson. Those guys were able to hold up and they were able to play better coverage and the Patriots route runners were getting open. So I still think this team and the biggest thing that they are probably missing as an offense. And this is again, probably more of an off season topic as well is that explosive inside receiver because Jacoby Myers can get open. Right. But right. Once he gets the ball in his hands, that's it. Right. There, there's not much going on a- after that. And if you look at what Matt could really benefit from, it's his own Wes Welker. It's his own Julian Edelman. It's somebody that not only creates separation out of the slot, but also creates yards after catch out of the slot. How many times, and you've watched every single Mac throw at Alabama, probably Alex, how many times did you see him hit Devontae Smith in stride and just have Smith right. take off, right? They don't have, Boren has been that guy at times this year, but they don't truly have that guy. I don't think that consistently, you, you throw him a five-step slant and all of a sudden a, a 10-yard gain is a 60-yard gain. I think that that's the guy that they need if they're not going to produce the big plays over the top. And I don't know if Mac Jones will ever be a prolific downfield thrower in that sense. So it's going to, it's going to have to be timing and rhythm routes in the short and intermediate passing game that then turn into explosive plays with yards after the catch. So keep an eye on Kentucky uh, potential third round pick Wandale Robinson is the guy I kind of like for that role moving forward. But yeah, I'd agree. The one thing I'd say, just looking too much at the Buffalo game, and we'll get a better idea of this this week as well. I think what Na- Nelson Aguilar is on the field, even though they don't throw him the ball a ton, it forces I, I, I got I got a Nelson one coming up. Okay. Well, so I'm just saying, like, I yeah. think they need him on the field. I think him being yeah. on the field makes a huge difference because part of the reason Hunter Henry wasn't as involved last week is the Bills basically took the safety they'd normally leave over the top. All of a sudden, Akeel Harry's out there at the X. They're not worried about putting that safety over the top, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, that guy crashes down into the box, and he's helping – either just just take away the middle of the zone or he's helping with Hunter Henry and man. So I, and they did it on some other, on some other receivers too, but I, I think having Nelson Aguilar out there does make things a lot easier for them beating coverages offensively. It's I'm not saying that it, it, they're fine, that everything's okay when they have Nelson Aguilar out there, but it's better. Right. So that was my next one was factor fiction. And we just found out about 20 minutes ago before we started hitting record here and started taping that Nelson Aguilar is out again this week with that concussion. So it's right. going to be Nikhil Harry at the X again for the Patriots the second week in a row. Factor fiction, Nikhil Harry is a significant drop off from Nelson Aguilar because now I feel like we're getting into full on fact with that, right? Yeah. That, that he is 110% a much better, more effective player than Nikhil Harry. And you just see it like you were saying, and I'm saying fact, obviously, to this. You were saying the spacing right? The, the route spacing that you can see where they are threatening more grass. They're just threatening more of the field when Nelson Aguilar is out there versus Nikhil Harry. And to your point, Buffalo was fine with leaving Nikhil Harry one-on-one. They said, if Matt Jones is going to throw a, an arm punt 45 yards down the field and they're going to beat us like Nikhil Harry did against Indianapolis where he goes above the rim and wins a contested catch down the field. And they're going to consistently do that time in and time out. So be it. So be it. If that's how they're going to win, we're going to have those safeties crowd the middle of the field and make sure that those guys aren't the ones that beat us. So Nelson Aguilar takes that safety with him a little bit more consistently. And I think Nelson Aguilar also, if you give him single coverage down the field, is going to create more separation that maybe that worries defensive coordinators a little bit more that those throws down the field become more consistent. By the way, Cincinnati's in the red zone. Alabama had to take a timeout because their defensive back stopped tackling. Oh, good job. Yeah. 
So the fact or fiction, Alex? You got. You oh, uh, sorry. I thought I explained it before. Yeah, no, it's it's yeah. it's a fact because you lose that burner ability the teams need. Corners can catch up to Nikhil Harry. They can't catch up to Nelson Aguilar. That's the difference. I think right. teams are comfortable covering Nikhil Harry without safety help over the top. I don't think they're yeah. comfortable covering Nelson Aguilar that way. So yeah, absolute fact. Okay, you got to pay attention to this one because I know this is your favorite one on the list. Fact or fiction? Josh McDaniels is a problem. Ah. Uh, See, it's both. Like, it's complicated because I think he's been great. Don't play for the but here's the I think it's a fact, and I think it's fiction. I like, hmm, I'm I, trying. I, I, I'm glad I stumped you on this one. I think he's been really good for Mac Jones' development. I still think his play calling is a mess. So, you think that Josh McDaniels, big picture, Josh McDaniels is not a problem. But micromanaging in-game decisions at a problem. That that yeah. I think is what you're going after. Here. Josh McDaniels, the quarterbacks coach, massive thumbs up because he is technically their quarterbacks coach, still, yes. right? Josh yes. McDaniels, the quarterbacks coach, massive thumbs up. He's been excellent. Josh McDaniels, the play caller. We're gonna go like 75% down. I'm not a hundred percent down because he's had yeah. some moments. I'm gonna go like 75% down on Josh McDaniels, the play caller. Yeah, I, I can understand that. I think the two things that are frustrating for me. With McDaniels, I don't get – I think the execution and, and the result of the play on all the third down Bolden runs is is nauseating. Not necessarily because I hate the play call, but more so because it, the execution hasn't been there all year on that play call. So at some point, you got to throw the play call out, right? Right. So that, that that's more how I feel about that. Not necessarily that I don't like the design or I don't like the idea or the intent of it, but eventually when something doesn't work, you have to move on from it. Where I feel like McDaniels has run into some issues is in the red zone. And I feel like when I watch the Patriots red zone offense and I, I chart the red zone offense in my tape studies that I'm watching them go through a training camp practice down there, right? Where everything is basic vanilla concepts that you and I, when we were out there at practice and during August, during the month of August, during camp, we were watching the same red zone route combinations that they're still running now in almost January. Right. So at some point when you start to put all that on tape and you start to put it consistently on tape, then teams find your tendencies, right? Teams find your tendencies, teams get a feel for what you're doing down there and the lack of creativity in the red zone or the lack of counters in the red zone has been to me, the biggest problem that Josh McDaniels has had all year long. And the frustrating part about it is, is that it's not like they don't have guys that can be successful down there, right? They, they have right. Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith. I keep on coming back to this and it's just, it's flabbergasting me. He had nine red zone touchdowns for the Titans last year. He has one red zone touchdown for the Patriots this year, nine to one that, that yeah. that's usage. Right. That's not the, the player hasn't completely changed in one year. That's usage. I, I do think that for all of his shortcomings between the twenties, there is some things that they could probably do with a Nikhil Harry down, down by the red, red zone and inside the 20 using his size, using his contested catch ability. I do think that there's more motion and more options in terms of jet sweeps, pop passes, things like that, that the Patriots could incorporate in their red zone offense. So I don't get too caught up in each play call with Josh McDaniels, but the red zone package, if you will, or the red zone game plan and insert that in general has been way too bland and vanilla pretty much all year long, especially this late in the year. So you can blame the weapons. You can blame the rookie quarterback, but ultimately at this point, they need to take the training wheels off. And if they have some interesting schemes, some different things, some wrinkles, there's no more time to to waste holding those back. Now, don't don't unveil them against the Jaguars, right? I mean, that's not the right. game that you bring them all out. Maybe but you if, set them up against the Jaguars, right? If next week is a must-win game against Miami, it, wild card weekend, there there's really no much time. Not there's no time to waste here in terms of uh, let's just run the same rudimentary route concepts down in the red area and hope that Hunter Henry beats somebody. It, it, it's you got to have more than that up your sleeve down there. By the way, future Patriot Henry Toe Toe with a great pass breakup in the red zone. Cincinnati kicked a field goal. So 
I actually uh, love this. I love how I make a point and then you just update the Alabama score and then we move on and segue to the next one. No, I had a thought on that. I had a thought okay. on that, but I do okay. want you to watch. No, after we get off and you watch second half, I want you to watch number 10 for Alabama. Um, I, I think with John and, and Henry too, it goes to your point. They're really good at scheming things open. They're really good at in play design, yes. making things happen. But there's Great game to, planner, great play designer. Right? Here's the thing. There seems to be... There's certain players where you don't necessarily need to design. They're just physically gifted and that you use that to the advantage. Yeah. There seems to be a mental block and it, it applies to Harry and it applies to Johnny Smith where they're trying to like scheme these guys. They're not guys you need to scheme open. They're just so athletic. They're naturally going to be able to win. You just kind of need to trust them to do that. Yeah. And there, there seems to be a mental block or a hesitation or however you want to qualify it. There seems to be some issue in doing that for the Patriots where they just won't let these athletic guys be more athletic than their opponent and get open in that way. Yeah. The only other thing I'll say about this is in the off season, whether it's Billy O'Brien coming up and teaching him or it's Steve Sarkeesian from Texas, getting on a plane, or if it's Nick Saban himself, somebody has got to bring the RPO Alabama playbook to Foxborough and show Josh McDaniels how effective Mac Jones can be in that style of scheme. It is absolutely frustrating to no, no belief. That, Al that last year at Alabama, Mac Jones was the most prolific RPO passer in all of college football. And the Patriots, it's an afterthought in New England's offense. It's its really not even a factor in the Patriots offense. There is no reason for that. That, that should be a big part of it. I hope that this offseason they can install an RPO package. And I'm not talking about Mac running around. I'm talking about run pass options where he's either handing it off or he's throwing the football. Those are the two things. So that's the one other thing I'll say. I, I, I continue to be frustrated by that one. Okay. Let's move over to the defensive side of the football here, Alex, yep. and do some more of these. So we talked about the Patriots inability to get off man coverage on offense. The Patriots inability to play man coverage on defense will be their demise. Fact or fiction? Um, I'm going to go fiction on that will be the demise of the defense or the demise of the team. Like that's the defense. Like, so that's the, yeah. that's the defense's biggest issue. But I think the issue offensively of beating man coverage is a much bigger issue. So Fair. if they lose a game because the defense lets them down, that's why, but I think it's more likely the offense lets them down. So does that make sense? Like, yes, but you do, you are concerned that the offense or, excuse me, you are concerned that the defense has some issues playing man coverage. Yeah, I think the pass rush is going to find itself, right? Yeah. I think the run defense is there. That That's pretty much all I'm worried about. And it goes back to something I've been talking about since March. They don't have enough corners. Yeah. They don't have enough corners to play the game the way they want to play it. Um, and it's becoming glaring now. Once you start missing guys, right? Joan Williams kind of not panning out, not being able to work out, and you lose John Jones, it, it's pretty apparent they don't have the depth at that spot they need to have. Yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of second-guessing about the personnel decisions that the Patriots made against Buffalo. Having Jawan Williams and Sean Wade both be inactive in a game that you knew was probably going to be a pretty pass-heavy game plan for the Bills was not a great decision in hindsight, right? I mean, that, that, was, that really hamstrung them to the six guys that they were rolling out there, and they had no other options to go to, right? There was no way to pull Miles Bryant off the field. There was no way to change up the matchups because they had the players that they had active in the game, and that was it. Maybe, and I'm not saying that Jawan Williams would have won them the football game by any stretch of the imagination, but maybe if Jawan Williams is active in that game, you can move Jawan Williams onto Emmanuel Sanders and Jalen Mills onto Isaiah right. McKenzie, and there's just a different look. Right, it's a different matchup, and you could say the same thing about Sean Wade. If you think Sean Wade's a better player than Jawan Williams, then fine. But because they were both inactive, they had to roll with those three corners, and that was all they had. There was no right. other options. So I think that was probably the most frustrating thing from a, a coaching standpoint was that decision really came back to haunt them in a game that they needed. They needed defensive back depth. They needed some other options. They needed some other people that they could throw at it. And they didn't have it. So that that was a big problem with them. The man coverage stuff worries me because it's not necessarily just about, okay, can Jalen Mills guard his guy? Can Miles Bryant guard his guy? Can JC Jackson guard his guy? Can Duggar guard the tight end? The, the whole puzzle needs to fit together, right? And I think what we saw against Buffalo was 
a lacking pass rush, lacking contact at the line of scrimmage, just giving guys free releases all over the field. And in order for them to play good in man coverage or play well in man coverage, they need to have all 11 contribute to helping out the corners. It has to, you have to marry the pass rush. You have to marry the jams and the redirects. You have to marry the help defenders over the top because they don't have Stefan Gilmore, JC Jackson, Jonathan Jones, and Jason McCourty anymore, where they can just allow those guys to play man to man straight up and not worry about it. Miles Bryant needs some help. Jalen Mills needs some help. Those guys need support. They need the pass rush to get home. They need redirects when the receivers are at the line of scrimmage and running across the field. They need help defenders from the safeties closing off the middle of the field when that those crossing routes come through. And against Buffalo, they weren't able to do that and they weren't able to piece it all together. I think that there's an option. They have the ability to do that. But the question is, is can all of it marry up at the same time when you're facing a Buffalo, a Kansas City, uh, one of these high-flying offenses? So we'll see what happens with the man coverage, but it's certainly a little bit of a concern here. All right. Factor fiction, and I, I I hate that I have to bring this one up, but it is something that I feel like we have to talk about. Factor fiction is this Dante Hightower's last season with the Patriots. Free agent at the end of the year. Yeah. Hasn't looked great this year. I think retirement's probably on the table at this point for Hightower. It got to the point, Alex, in the Buffalo game, they had to pull him off the field. Right. He didn't didn't play in the fourth quarter of a game against the Bills. Well, he might also have been hurt, right? He's been kind of dealing with He's back on the injury report this week. He'll be 32 when free agency starts. It might be. The only thing is they really have nobody behind him because Juwan Bentley's a pending free agent too. He's going to get paid somewhere. Like he's, I think, going get paid by the Patriots he's he's a solid player I don't think so I because is he is he that much better than Landon Roberts and they didn't pay Landon Roberts I think he's better than a Landon Roberts because he's bigger than a Landon Roberts right he 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 fits the mold a little bit more uh than I would say a Landon Roberts did because a Landon Roberts was a thumper but he was an undersized thumper which made him a little bit of a of an odd fit I think Bentley at 255 260 is pretty much exactly what they look for so maybe that's the move, but you know, behind him, is it Raquan McMillan coming back next year? He's coming off a torn ACL. Is it right. Cameron McGrone? Is it, I think they, Josh, I don't Hightower, think Hightower is playing yeah. anywhere else. Yeah. I don't know that he has it in him to learn a new system, learn a new defense, all of that. I right. think maybe it's one of those things where he waits it, he waits it out a little bit. They kind of see what they're going to do. And he ends up coming back for one year on short money. And then they have him here kind of mentoring McGrone and McMillan if that's him and if they draft somebody right so I could go either way I could go either way I guess I'll say fiction I think he's back for another year because I think his leadership is important I will say the bigger question to me is Devin McCourty and I, I apologize if you had that one next no um, because like you said Hightower has kind of taken a step back this year and I think losing him is more about losing that leadership and that experience yeah. Devin McCourty has been really good this year yeah and he's hinted at retirement and they have, I mean, so I just gave a couple possibilities behind Hightower. I don't, you know, maybe you don't feel great about any of them, but they have options. Who's taking Devin McCourty's role if he leaves? Are you taking Kyle Doug, Like, taking Kyle Duggar out of the box is probably the best option. Yeah, they if really Adrian don't Phillips have another free safety. If Adrian Phillips is still here, then they could probably take Duggar out because you also have Joshua Bledsoe, who they seem to like a little bit. He hasn't been able to stay healthy and stay on the field. But in terms of what he's shown behind the scenes, the, a lot of guys have had some good praise for Josh. I'm going to audible and talk about cannabis, specifically Massachusetts premier cannabis dispensaries, INSA, I-N-S-A. They're the premier because the founders, Pat and Pete, re-engineered the cannabis model from what they sell to how they sell it while never forgetting it's for everyone. INSA dispensaries are inviting and modern, so come in just to learn more. The staff are authorities on the science who answer every question from the differences between flowers and concentrates to offering for insomnia and anxiety, or reco for hanging with friends. Insa has a world-class head chef too and only hires the most respected growers who perfected their craft when it wasn't so legit. One last thing, the Insa founders aren't VCs from Silicon Valley, but lifelong pals from Springfield. So there's another local team to root for, Insa. In Salem, East Hampton, Boston Delivery, and two Springfield locations, including just one off I-91 beside the MGM Casino. Mention we said to stop by for a sweet t-shirt or for one penny, insa.com or 
500 and so he's a special teams player i think i'm not saying i'm not saying that joshua Bledsoe is going to start for them but you have phillips in the box you have bledsoe as a backup to phillips right duggar goes to free safety something like that it's not that easy devin mccourty outside of when he got hurt in i think it was against the jets he's played every no, snap he's been a great pl- yeah no he's I, been i mean it's yeah that's the bigger question because he also plays a very important role in this defense not that hightower doesn't but yeah, that that to me is the big one. If McCordy, they can replace high like, not they can't easily replace High Tower, but Bills generally pretty good about finding linebackers. And again, they have a couple names in the building who at least get your attention. Like yeah. Raquan McMillan, we all he was off to that great start, right? And it was very brief. We saw, him, but but he's we, he's a good player when he's healthy. It's just a matter of him staying healthy. Um, I I don't see. I wouldn't take Duggar out of the box. I think having Phillips and Duggar in the box, you're it's so good for the defense to be able to operate that way. I think you make your defense worse. If you take Duggar out of the box, they, you know, whether it's the draft, whether it's free agency, whatever there's, they're going to have to do something big to replace Devin McCourty. So he's not to totally railroad your question, but no. um, cause something I've been going through is I kind of start to get ready for my postseason coverage here is, you know, those two guys, I think the, the answer on those two guys is, is the first big question of the off season. And if I had to pick one to return, it would be Devin McCourty. Yeah. Devin McCourty, I think is a priority for them in free agency to incentivize him to play again, to keep him here. I don't think he's going anywhere. The only place that maybe he could go is down to Miami with Jason. Right. I I don't think that that's happening, but at this stage of his career, I I don't see Hightower or McCourty playing for a different team. I, I just don't think that that's where their heads are at. Hightower is a really interesting one. I think that this is fact that this is his last year with the Patriots. I think he's going to retire. Um, this is just a hunch. I have no inside information. I think he's going to retire at the end of the year. When a player like Hightower recognizes that he's not an every down player anymore, like they, he right. could resign here. He could be a captain. He could be a team leader. He could play on first down, right? He could go that entire route, right? And then and, and be more of a situational guy. But when you've dominated at the peaks that Dante Hightower has dominated, do you really want to be there just to be the the you know the guy that that's that's leading the the group as almost a de facto coach? Right? Do you want to be a Brian Hoyer, you know, of the linebacker right. group? I, I don't think so. I, I think that he's somebody that wants to go out with some on top to a degree, obviously, and and, and be someone that doesn't completely just ride the coattails of other guys and things like that. McCordy. I think he will be back. I think that he's a really important piece as well, not only as the defensive quarterback, right? The sec- the the leader of the secondary on the field, off the field, all that kind of stuff. But he's also just played really good football this year, as you said. So I think McCoury will be back. So back last year for Hightower, fiction last year for McCourty. Uh Last one here, Alex. Yep. Factor fiction. Maddie P and Steve Belichick have too much influence on the Patriots defense. I, I, I joked with you about this one the other day. Cause I think this is fact. When I saw Christian Barmore drop off the nose in a pivotal moment and replace the Mike linebacker in a blitz, I got such Maddie P vibes from that. It was not even funny. I think some of these game plans have Matt Patricia's fingerprints all over them. Some of the bend don't break stuff. Uh, some of the zone stuff that they've done where they're just giving it up underneath and allowing it to go underneath and all that kind of stuff. Three, four man rushes that the whole contain rush plan. I don't know if that's ever worked consistently. It, it works in, in, in spurts, right? But right. I don't, if you don't put a pressure, I don't care if it's Josh Allen, if it's, I I don't care which quarterback it is. If you don't actually apply some pressure, you can't, there was so much from the Patriots pass rush, three or four man rushes where guys are just standing there and, and staring at Josh Allen. And it felt like it was on purpose that they were trying to just contain him in the pocket. But if you give these guys all day back there to throw the football, they're going to do exactly what Josh Allen did to you on Sunday. There's, there's way too much Matty P fingerprints on this defense. I just, I, I, right. Mike, you're right. Matthew Judon dropping in coverage off the edge. How many times in that game last week? I, I don't like it. I don't like it. Fact. I think Matty P's too involved. What do you think? Yeah, there were definitely shades of uh, Trey flowers dropping back into coverage. That was the one that used to always kill me. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, as for Steve Belichick, I don't know, because I think there's been times when Steve had a say in the defense that they've done some things I've liked. I'm not saying it's been yeah entirely perfect, but uh, yeah, you're starting to see more and more of that Matt Patricia uh, influence. And it is, again, it was Barmore dropping back in a coverage, Matt Judon. Just let pass rushers, like, I, I get they want players to be versatile, and I get you don't want to be too predictable. That's fine. But just let the pass rushers rush the passer. Yeah. It's not that hard. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like Matt Patricia has come in as his role has touched on a lot of different areas of the team, right? In the offseason, he was doing contracts and, and getting guys onboarded uh, in free agency and things like that. And then during the season, to me, he has really become almost a defensive coordinator for the Patriots in a lot of ways, just based off of what I have seen from these game plans that they've ran out there at the very least he's he's a defensive quality control coach right where he's going out there and and making some of the broader stroke decisions but not necessarily making the in the weeds in the trenches type of calls i'm not saying that he's calling plays i I still think that steve calls plays under the watchful eye of bill and maddie p and like i said that game plan last week the lack of pressure, the lack of dialing up pressure against Josh Allen, that when they do bring pressure, it's from odd places and odd guys dropping the coverage. The reason why Judon and Barmore are dropping into coverage is because they're bringing pressure from the second level and they're replacing right. those guys in the coverage. So Judon, uh, Barmore drops, Duggar blitzes, and it actually worked. They got pressure. They, they got Duggar pressure up the middle. But when Allen rolled to his right, he threw the ball right where Christian Barmore was supposed to be. But you can't expect Christian Barmore to know where he's supposed to be at in coverage. Right. I mean, come on. What are we talking about here? So way too much Matty P in that game plan. That that really worried me. All right, Alex, I, I told you I would allow you to talk some draft here today. What do you got? Tell me some prospects I should be watching tonight in the college football playoff. I think there's some guys on Cincinnati that are interesting for the Patriots as well, not just Alabama. I know Alabama's the the Saban Belichick factory uh, coming out of Alabama, right. but at the same time, uh, there's uh, I can't remember his name, but uh, their corner they have a, a corner on Cincinnati. They got a couple corners, yeah, yeah. He's probably going to be a first round pick. Some people think he's going to be top ten, top fifteen pick. Yeah, so I've, I'll just real quick, I've given my Alabama players before, but I really like Henry To'o To'o. Uh, I like Slade Bolden. I like, um, what's the name of the corner? Uh, Josh Job. I like Josh Job for the Patriots. Obviously, if they could get Jamison Williams, that would be great. I just don't think, like, I think he's going to be a top 15 pick. If if he's on the board, I, I would be thrilled if they got him. For Cincinnati, yeah, they got two potential top 100 corners. Ahmad Gardner, Sauce Gardner, he's the guy that, is that he's kind of top 15 right now. We'll see if he sneaks yeah. into the top 10. The yeah. reason people like him is he's just so gifted athletically. He's going to be one of these guys that comes in and just blows up at the combine, right? So if a team falls in love with the physical numbers, he, you know, maybe gets into the top 10. I like Kobe Bryant too, though. I think he's a more technically sound player. That's the guy the Patriots tend to like, and they may look at it and say, you know, he's the kind of guy where I think they look at him and say, yeah, he's a little physically limited, but He's so technically sound. We can make that work, right? We can kind of scheme around his physical limitations. They love guys like that. So I think he's somebody third, maybe late second round that's squarely in their range. And if you look a little later, I like their safety, Brian Cook, too. I think he's a guy who can, you know, he's kind of the typical Patriot safety. He doesn't do anything. He's not going to jump off the tape. He doesn't stand out to you, but you kind of watch him and you're like, oh, hey, this you know, this guy's in the right place at the right time a lot. Cook sounds like a guy I, I've heard a little bit about him too. Yeah. And he seems like a Joshua Bledsoe type, right? Who's not, not necessarily yeah. the, the Uber athlete, excuse me, that somebody like Kyle Duggar is or something like that. But so he just tends to be in the right places, understands the defense, good football knowledge, good instincts, good IQ, that, that sort of right. guy. But Sauce Gardner is the guy. Right. He, he's a That's dude. the guy. I don't know that yeah. they'll have a shot at him without yeah. trading up is the thing. Um, And then in the yeah. other game, uh, and by the way, his name is Kobe Bryant, but it's with a C. Yeah. Um, it's a C and then a Y at the end, although he is, he wore number, I think, 13 all year. He's wearing number eight in honor of that Kobe Bryant um, in the bowl game today. And he obviously would be able to in the NFL. Now, as for Michigan, I think Aiden Hutchinson is like the textbook Patriot. Now he might be the first yeah. overall pick. Yeah, You're not going to have a shot pick. at him. 
but I mean, edge rusher for Michigan with that kind of motor. Um, I like a lot of Michigan's sophomores and freshmen, honestly, for the Patriots, not guys who will be in the draft this year. I'm trying to remember who they're, they have a great freshman wide receiver whose name is escaping me right now. Um, outside of that, I mean, I like Hassan Haskins. I don't know that they go with another running back as high as they did last year, but he reminds me a little bit of Stevenson. And if they don't plan on signing Harris long-term, he's probably somebody who could go into that role, right? Cause they want to have those two yeah. backs, uh, Georgia and anybody on the defense, close your eyes, throw a dart at, at their yeah. chart. I think yeah. that guy's on the Patriots draft board. Bill Belichick talked about, you know, when he was talking about Richard Seymour, right? When Richard Seymour got inducted into the Patriots hall of fame, Bill, he mentioned a couple times, he was like, yeah, that Georgia defense was great. They just had players all over the field and we wanted to get somebody from there. Well, this Georgia defense might've been the greatest in college football history, at least in the modern era. Going into that Alabama game, you know, the SEC championship, they were allowing less than seven points per game. Yeah, so that D-line is ridiculous. I, I think Bill looks at it and just, I think he just wants a player from that unit just to have a piece of college football history. Yeah. Like, I think he's somebody who would do that. So they're not going to get Jordan Davis. I think we'd all love if they got Jordan Davis. Um, and then I forget the linebacker, but he got in trouble. Uh, they had a linebacker who got in trouble for something. Um, he's probably not going to be in the draft now. Um. I want to make sure I get the, the right name before I, yeah. Okay. It was uh, Adam Anderson. Um, there is another linebacker. I like Nolan Smith. He's, he can probably play middle or outside. He's maybe a late do, day two pick, probably early day three. He's somebody I think makes a lot of sense for them. Yeah. Um, he kind of fits the, uh, unfortunately he kind of fits the mold of those edge rushers. They keep drafting and then not playing, whether it's chase Winovich, Ronnie Perkins, um, Josh Uche, like he reminds me of those players. So I think they'll draft him. Will they play him? We'll see. And then uh, they got a safety, Tyke Smith, who's more like a, again, fourth, fifth, sixth round pick. Uh, but he's somebody who I watch and he does, if he does some of the things they like, especially for a deep safety, which as I talked about earlier, I think is, is a need for them. So I, the one name you didn't mention, I think is probably because you think he's going to be off the board before they pick because six foot two, 190 pound people that run four threes in the 40 yard dash don't last very long in the NFL draft, but Jamison Williams, yeah, so I said if I did say if they can get him, absolutely slam dunk. Yeah, I think you know he's a thousand yard receiver and he led the team in special teams tackles. Yeah, he, I he's just don't coming. Think out, gonna get him. He's eligible this year, right? And I, or is that? Yes, is, yes, he, he yeah. is. No, he is. He is. Yeah. He's just so he's gonna be a top fifteen pick. He's he to me. Yeah, he's probably gonna be a top fifteen pick. The Patriots probably aren't gonna get high enough to pick top fifteen. But we talked about the need for receiver talent in the off season and stuff like that earlier. The Patriots have set themselves up nicely, I think, roster-wise, where they do feel like they're that number one receiver away from being a legitimate Super Bowl contender, right? They they, right. they kind of have the rest of the roster figured out, honestly. They have complementary weapons uh, to a number one guy. They got the Hunter Henrys and the Kendrick Bournes and the Myers of the world. They have their defense pretty much figured out with a good mix of young and old players. Maybe they need another corner or fill in at linebacker if Dante Hightower were to retire. There's some spots there that they need to fill, but I have a lot of confidence that Bill can find a linebacker in a corner at some point right. later on in the draft. The Patriots are that Stefan Diggs move, that DeAndre Hopkins trade. They're, they're there, I think, this offseason, where if they can take the chariot and put it on top of that number one weapon, Jamison Williams feels like the guy that if Nick Saban gives a thumbs up, I wouldn't even be surprised if they trade up a little bit to get him. If they're picking 20th or 21st and he's going to go 13th, I think Devontae Smith went 11th to Philadelphia last year or 12th. Sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. So there's an opportunity there. If they're picking 20th right at the fringe there, cause they made it to the wild card round, but lost, they can definitely be able to move up. I think from 20 to 12 and, and snag a guy like Jamison Williams, I love that idea. If they can't get a veteran receiver in the draft in a free agency or via trade uh, to go in and aggressively pursue a guy that comes from a program that you're going to know every single in and out of the player, right? This is not Nikhil Harry where you're, you're, you're having a lot of conjecture or guessing about how he's going to translate into your system. You're going to know 110% if Jamison Williams is going to work out in new England. Yeah. So I love that speed explosiveness inside outside ability catch it and run for 60 yards if you hit him on time 
played special teams, like you said, uh, even a gunner, right? He, he's been a very good gunner yeah. for them all year long. Just seems like a four down player for New England. I, I love him. I love him. I think Bill would love him. I just don't, unless they trade up and trade up considerably, yeah. I, I don't think they get him. If you want to talk about for first round receivers or even top 50 receivers, I think like the guy I'm starting to really get into is Josh Dot, uh, Dotson yeah. out of Penn State. Just a really good route runner, really good ball skills, downfield threat. He's probably a little smaller than you want at that position. But again, you're not going to get the perfect guy picking where the Patriots are. But uh, I like Jahan Dotson. I'll give you a couple more names, too, just for the New Year's Day games. Um, obviously, Darian Kennard, I've talked about before on the show, the, the tackle for Kentucky, 6'7", 350, whatever he is. Um, I like him as a potential Isaiah Wynn or Trent Brown replacement. But you were talking earlier about needing that guy in the slot, right? Yeah, uh, Kentucky's got a slot receiver, Wandale Robinson. He hasn't declared yet, and there's some questions about whether or not he will. He's expected to be a late day, a late second, early third round pick right now, but he is this year's Kadarius Tony. He was a quarterback in high school. He got to Kentucky. He played running back. Now he's playing in the slot, but he still lines up in the backfield a good amount. You want to talk about a guy who can create after the catch. He might be... He's one of, if not the best create after the catch receivers in college football. He's incredibly explosive, athletic. He's going to be one of the fastest players at the combine. The reason he had, the reason people aren't sure he's declared yet is this wide receiver class is so deep. If right. he waits another year, he's probably a lock to be a first round pick. He's not yeah. going to be this year. He shouldn't be this year. He probably would be next year, but that's all the more reason. I think if he's there on the board with the Patriots second or third pick, let's say they don't go with Jamison Williams. Let's say they go with a tackle or a corner, or a linebacker he would make a ton of sense for them and he would be a great fit. He's cut from that Tyreek Hill mold. He's not Tyreek Hill, but he's cut from that mold. And we talked last year, whether it was Kadarius, Tony, uh, um, uh, uh, Waddle, Jalen Waddle, whether it was yeah. Jalen Darden, right. They needed that guy that kind yeah. of move wide receiver. So if you get a chance to watch any of Kentucky's bowl game tomorrow, I want to know what you think of Wandale Robinson. And then I'll give you one more receiver. Since we're talking receivers, I have no idea what to make of this guy. I really don't. His name's Devin Tompkins. He plays for Utah State. Utah he's, State. So I think he's the fastest player in college football right now, at least the fastest offensive player. He's at, he averaged like 24 yards a catch, something like that absurd, or he was late in the season. I mean, he's just the ultimate burner down right. threat. So you're wait, he's a he's a projected fifth round pick. You want the catch? Yes. He's 5'7, 155. Nope. 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 So like, yeah. Nope. I, uh, no, so and the whole thing to me, I don't know. The whole thing he's, to me is, is it's it's twofold. One, they can't scout outside receivers. They just can't. Right. They can't scout this the X. just a general thought. Right. They can't scout the X receiver. Well, I'm just talking about why I'm right. stressing them going after that move Z role as somebody yeah. that can be more explosive with the ball in their hands. They can't scout the outside guys. They can't scout the X's. And second of all, I don't think that that's ever going to be uh, Tyra kills like 510, 511. Yeah, but he's a lot more than 155. It was more the 155 right. part than the height. Yeah. So the biggest thing is that I, that I think that uh, he's kind of like Tutu Atwell then. Tutu, I, I like Tutu Atwell's tape. He's just tiny. Is he uh, that small? Tutu I Atwell. I got his size yeah. right. 5'8, yeah. 155. I think I said 5'7. Yeah. He's listed at 5'8, 155. So they can't scout the X position. They haven't been able to do it for 20 years. I, I don't know if the exposition with Mac Jones at quarterback and with Josh McDaniels at offensive coordinator, unless you put Randy Moss reincarnated at that X spot, I don't know if that guy's ever going to be a high volume target in the Patriots offense, right? It just, right. those types of throws down the field, outside the numbers, it's not who they are systematically. It's not what Mac Jones's strengths are as a quarterback either. So to me, maximizing the middle of the field and then getting somebody that can horizontally stretch the defense and then run with the football, obviously, should be priority number one. That, so that's that's Wandale Robinson to me. Like, I think right. the guy or you're Dr. describing the guy is from Penn State, I, I think, is somebody that can do He's it He's more too. vertical. Eh, John, uh, he probably could. That's not how he plays yeah. at Penn State, but he might be able to do it. Yeah. My, my concern is, is that not, – not concern. My thing is – I, don't, I think Nelson Aguilar does his job. 
Honestly, I think yeah. Nelson Aguilar does what they want him to do in the offense. And I know that people talk so much about downfield and outside the numbers and things like that. Nelson Aguilar is getting paid $12, $13 million to clear out coverage. That's what he's doing, right? And the right. fact that he's got a reputation about him in the NFL that he is a vertical threat and you can't just leave him one-on-one and you have to help over the top with him. I don't think that there is anything more that they really want to look at at that X spot. I don't think they really want uh, to funnel the offense through an X receiver. Obviously, if you have a guy like Randy Moss, if you have somebody like Brandon Cooks and he's your best weapon, then you change things up, right? And you adapt and you and you build a system around him. But this offense wants to live in the middle of the field. They want to live at the short and intermediate areas and be more efficient, get the football out, that type of thing. I think that Nelson Aguilar is fine at the X. I think the Z is the spot that they should really be looking to upgrade with somebody that's more elusive, that has more game-breaking speed, that's more explosive after the catch, and that will produce more in this offense than somebody that is marginally better than Nelson Aguilar at the X spot. Now, if they like again, if they can go out and they can get uh, Brandon Cooks or Andy Moss in their prime, then, then that's a different argument. But as of right now guy like Jamison Williams, uh, the guy that you mentioned from Kentucky. Uh, Wondell Robinson. Wondell Robinson. I'm telling you, you are going to be – who's who's the guy last year? Amari Rodgers that you were super yes. into. I yeah, think you're going I, I to get really into Wondell Robinson this year. I think you're really going to like him. So I'm just get throwing that out. And I'll be on that – I wasn't on the Amari ban- Rodgers bandwagon as strongly last year because I thought there right. were a lot of guys like him in the draft. I'll be right there with you. We might take Amari uh, – we might take Wondell Robinson every mock draft this year. I just think he's yeah. such a fit. If he, I just if want he somebody that after all this, he won't declare. I just want somebody that can run a, a crosser an over route, a three-step slant, a, a quick post and take a eight yard pass, 60 yards to the house, right? You hit him on time. You hit him in stride. You put the ball on him, and he goes, they don't have that guy besides Kendrick Bourne. Like I said earlier, has done it at times. But they really don't have that guy that's a game breaker. And to me, that's the most important thing. So uh, we'll look and see what, what, with the draft in a couple months. And there's other things to talk about. But we figured in Jaguars week, I, I'd let Alex uh, uh, have his moment there to, to go over some of the college football playoff guys and some of the big bowl game guys. And we'll be back next week on Tuesday to break down this Jaguars game, look a little bit ahead to Miami, certainly reset the AFC playoff picture and reset the board and see where the Patriots stand after this weekend. A Patriots win and a loss by either the Raiders or the Miami Dolphins means New England is in. That would essentially make Week 18 about seeding and potentially if the Bills were to get tripped up by Atlanta or the Jets. And I'm not... I'm not discrediting that as a possibility, Alex. I'm not. Um, Atlanta. I'm not. They're not going to lose to the Jets. Atlanta's kind of sneaky, been sneaky competitive at times yeah. this year. Atlanta's been playing a lot of close games. They have seven year. wins, don't they? Yeah. They, they're The analytics hate the Falcons. They are 32nd in DVOA. Yeah. What do the analytics know? Right. But they're, they've they've hung up in a lot of these games. That is an ultimate letdown game for Buffalo, right? You you beat right. the, you beat the Patriots at Gillette Stadium. You take back the division. That is an ultimate letdown game if I've ever seen one for the Buffalo Bills. It does help the Bills that they're at home in, in that game against the Falcons. But I wouldn't sleep on the fact that Buffalo might have uh, some issues with either Atlanta or the Jets here down the stretch. I don't think the Jets will, will give them a game either, but maybe Atlanta. Uh, I don't know. It, it, crazier things have happened. Alex and I will be back on Tuesday to recap Patriots Jaguars look a little bit ahead to Miami talk about the playoff picture all that good stuff on Tuesday afternoon and then preview show ahead of the Miami Dolphins next week it's crazy that we are at the end of the uh end of the road here or approaching the end of the road of the regular season I want to wish everybody a happy new year happy 2022 let's hope that we can finally move past this COVID thing in 2022 Alex and uh, get back to, to real life in 2022 that's so i think uh, you talk about uh bill belichick got asked today about new year's resolutions for the second time i think everybody's new year's resolution in america is let's get rid of or manage or whatever you want to call it no get uh, rid of let's why 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 do we need to contain ourselves let's get rid of COVID. let's get the hell out of here yeah done with it
yeah, I think that that's where we're all at in terms of New Year's resolution. So happy New Year's to everybody out there. Thank you so much for listening to us this year, watching us this year, commenting, uh, coming here live, all those good things. Even the people that troll on us, we really appreciate appreciate all of you. And we got big things planned in 2022 here on Patriot Speed, so keep it right here. But until then, signing off for Alex Barth, I'm Evan Lazar. Thanks for watching, everybody. Happy New Year.